0: Amen. What a blessed gift it is to be able to gather together, to unite, and remember what Christ has done for us. Uh, Today, we also rejoice in this reality that heaven came down in the form of Jesus. It's what we're focusing on this month, but why? Uh, D gave us some insight into that, but Jesus tells us also in another passage in John 6, he says this, I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. What an amazing reality, think about that, that God in heaven loved you enough, valued you enough, yes you, each and every one of you if you're watching online or listening on the radio or you're right here in the room, he valued you enough to send his son to come down to earth to save you, to to seek you, yes you. Sometimes we think that Christmas presents aren't for us and maybe we know they're not because our names aren't on them and there's times when we may not receive what we need or even what we would like. But that's not what God did for us. He sent Jesus to save us. That was his desire, that we would receive the gift of eternal life because of what his son did did for us on the cross. And he had to die so that we might live. But before he could die, uh, this is why we celebrate Christmas, he had to be born. Jesus, uh, God's son, came down to earth in the flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a, a perfect life, being tempted in every way, And while he was sinless, he took our sins on and died so that we might live. That's the good news. God coming down, becoming a man, taking on flesh. That's radical thinking. You wouldn't have made a story like that if you're writing a story or or designing a movie plot that, that God took on flesh, but that's what he did. It's hard to understand. It's a concept that goes beyond our rationale. Why would he give up so much? But really, he took on flesh so he could give us everything. It's hard to explain, especially. You you can see uh, that by looking at different translations of the Bible. In different texts... Uh, where the Word of God is describing how Jesus took on flesh, the words of different translations are varied, more so than other texts. I want to just share with you a little bit of this from Colossians chapter 2 verse nine. While I believe every translation does a good job explaining this, it's, it, they're different in their language, because this is a difficult concept. But I want you to get this: that Jesus, in the form of God, took on flesh. Look what it says in Colossians 2.9 in the ESV, uh, the, the Bible that I often preach from that's in the pew. Look what it says. It says, for in him, which is Christ, it's not in the text, but it says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. There's truth there. It's not often how we talk, but notice the emphasis on the whole fullness of the deity. Look at the New Living Translation. It says this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. There's a a focus, again, on the fullness of God. Look at the NIV. Maybe you grew up with this or had this around your uh, family for years. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And the the NIRV, which is a translation uh, established for younger readers, if you're looking for a present for a child or a grandchild or a niece or nephew, the NIRV for a young child is a great translation. Here's what it says. God's whole nature is living in Christ in human form. So all four of these translations are are driving home the point. They're emphasizing that God's full character, his full nature, indwelled in the body of Christ. And and I think the reason that Paul chooses to emphasize this to the church in Colossae is they heard testimony that Jesus was a human, but what's hard to wrap our brain around is he was also fully God. Amen? Amen. And he emphasizes this to the church in Colossae. And I want us to, to focus on this day because if, if Christ was fully God, he has all authority. And he deserves all praise, which is true. Sometimes the world wants to diminish this say, well, he was half God and half man, which leaves him really not worth much at all. But that's not the truth. He was fully God and fully man. They all say this, this truth that the fullness of God dwelled in this baby that we celebrate at Christmas time. This month, we are looking at this beautiful reality that Jesus came down to earth as a a man. But I also want to look at the refreshing reality that he was truly a down-to-earth man. He was a down-to-earth guy. Last week, we focused on this reality uh, from Luke 18, where he came down to earth to meet us where we are. We looked at the, the story of the blind beggar. Uh, bart bartimaeus and bartimaeus heard him coming and jesus didn't make bartimaeus do all these things he just said come to me remember the blind man threw off his cloak uh, sprang up and went to jesus he didn't require a a change in this man before he met him no he met him where he was i want you to know today jesus is going to meet you where you are but he doesn't want to leave you there he wants to change you he wants to make you a new creation to look more and more like him. Today we're going to focus on this, that Jesus came down to earth to give us purpose, just like what Dee was talking about. In fact, Dee, we must be focused so much on this purpose, I'm using the same text you used, okay? So the sermon's already been preached, we could just go home, right? <laughs> but today we're going to see he gives us purpose. And next week we're going to see that he came down to earth to be with us. I mean, sometimes we make it more complicated than this. The Lord came down to earth to be with us so we could be with him forever. That is the gift of Christmas. That's this concept of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came down to earth to be a down-to-earth type of guy. We love down-to-earth type of people. I mean, that's, that's the type of people we want to be around. We, we're drawn to them. They get us. They listen. They know your name. They can relate. They they don't run from your mess because they've been there before. They they know what it's like. And I'm thankful that so many of you that I come into contact with over the last five years, you're down-to-earth people. You're you're God-fearing people. You you are thankful for what God has done for you. You're real. You're relatable. And many of you know the joys and the struggles of life, of, of being with family and friends during hard times. Last week, I could feel that you related and thoroughly enjoyed my moment of being asked to eat Daly's uh, mini marshmallow Christmas pops. I could just sense your relatability. Many of you have kids or grandkids you've been there before. Man, I sense your enjoyment of that so much so that I asked Daly to make a double batch for us today, OK? <laughs> Daly made a double batch of these things because the last ones, they didn't last very long for a number of reasons around the house. And if you were here last week, you know that she had a secret special recipe. I'm not going to tell you what that was again. You can ask a friend if you weren't here. Go back and watch it on YouTube. But she made this double batch. And the reason she did this is I noticed how much you guys related to this story. And I I wanted you to share in these. So um, here's the reality. Um, Here's half of this batch. And and I'm ready to share. And the boys are like, oh, no one wants to eat those. I said, "I, I think they will. And so Daly was really e- encouraged about being able to do this. Uh, it, surprisingly enough, she said right off the bat, do you think we can share with one special guy at church? And I said, well, who is it? And she said, Mr. Ed Noggle. <laughs> and I, I was like, I don't know why not. So Ed, if you'd come up uh, right now. Uh... Let's give it up for Ed. He's so kind. Come ahead up here, Ed. Um, before you dive into these, I want you to know Daily was afraid. She knows how generous you are and always sharing with others, and you never hold back for yourself very much. She says, Ed's probably not gonna want to take these because he's you know he's always giving things away. But she wanted me to remind you that caring is sharing. Okay. So if you just go and pick one of these and if you get just one. Just one. Just one.
1: <laughs> I'd like to share with my wife. Oh, well, you can have two then.
0: That'd be great. Am I supposed to eat it? Go ahead and try that, yeah. Wow, look at that, he's brave. Thank you, Ed. Oh, that one came apart. Let's try to get another one there. We'll stick it with this. Oh, it's stuck. Yeah, there we go. Here, you can have that one, sir. All right, I'll take this one too. (laughs) Let's give it up for Ed. Hey, in all reality, I love having fun with Ed, um, but also I wanted to let you know, the reason I put this before you today is I put this before Daly this week, and you should have saw her face light up when I said, Daly, I've got something you can help me with for a sermon. I need your help. Here's what I want you to see here. Uh, She all of a sudden saw her purpose even in that moment of what she was called to do. And she became excited. Uh, I, I realize on that why she became so excited is seldom do I call her to help me with much. It's just the reality. When I need help around the house, in, in, the, in the garage, or out in the yard, or maybe even with a project, uh, working on a refrigerator, or whatever it may be, you know who I call? A boy. Uh, I usually start with the oldest one that I think is there. I may say Dawson. And then if I am stuck in, in a position, I will go through all their names just seeing if any boy will respond. Okay? That's the reality of of how that goes. But I realized very seldom do I ever say daily, will you help me with this? But this week when I said daily, I need your help, she lit up because she had a purpose. She, she knew that, that I saw value in her and what she could help me with this week. And I'm so thankful that uh, Ed allowed me to bless Ed through her uh, skills and ability. And the recipe was tweaked just a little bit, Ed, from last week, okay? <laughs> so you can rest easy with that but I gave her a purpose. I pray that today you see each and every one of you, no matter what your name is, whether it's Dawson or Daly, uh, Dave or or Sally, you have a purpose from Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. And he is going to share that with us. It's the same purpose that he had. My prayer is today that you realize that or maybe reminded about your purpose, each of you. Turn with me in your Bible to the passage that Dee shared with from already, Luke chapter 19. Last week we were in Luke 18 with blind Bart. This week, Jesus is still on the way to Jerusalem. He's traveling with that big crowd, and and he's about ready to to meet a man named Zacchaeus, a little man. But this inspired one of the most popular songs about Jesus of all time, this passage. I believe it displays some of the highest theological accuracies concerning the concept of Emmanuel, God being with us of any uh, song I've ever heard. I just want to share with you just a little bit of this high theological song right now. Maybe you've heard it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Help me if you know it. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. You know the rest of it. That's the way it goes. What a high theological song of God's desire in the form of Jesus to be with us sinners. Jesus says, I'm going to your house. let's look in the text. It's not just a children's song. It's the word of God. Chapter 19, he entered Jericho, which is Jesus, and he was passing through. Remember, he just helped blind Bart, gave him his vision. He threw off his cloak, and he's there, and he's still moving towards Jerusalem. He's going through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. The idea of being a chief tax collector, if you do a little study in this, he's not mentioned much. Uh, oftentimes, he's just a tax collector. But this was a chief tax collector. Uh, this guy, who was um, a Jewish by nature, he was from the, the line of Abraham. He had traded a lot of that relationship, if not all of it, to be in line with the Roman government. And he was allowed as a chief tax collector to charge uh, his Jewish counterparts whatever amount he determined. And his only goal was, uh, his his goal was to get as much from them as he can beyond what the Romans want. And if he got anything extra, he could hold back for himself. This guy got rich from his own family and friends. And it killed his relationships with them. And I think over time it ruined his heart. But on this day, this rich chief tax collector was looking for Jesus after ripping off his own people. Look what it says in verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. He was going through Jericho. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and received him joyfully. Don't don't overread that. Don't pass over that too fast. Look, so he hurried down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. Excuse me. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is talking about the people, the crowd. He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold, four times. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. He's been from the line all along. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save. That that was the purpose from the beginning. Jesus came down to earth to save those who had, had departed, those who were lost in darkness, those who had went away. That's the purpose of Jesus, and that's the purpose he shares with those who follow him. But the world would try to distract us from it. They did to him. You can see it in the text. Don't forget this is the same crowd that told blind Bartimaeus, Shh, Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with you. Be quiet. It's the same crowd. That, that wants Jesus to overlook this Zacchaeus. Jesus sure, surely doesn't have time to be with this man. The crowd was ready to overlook him because he was a sinner. The so-called crowd this, of religious leaders and people wanting to be around Jesus never really understood his mission at this point. Notice they didn't give Zacchaeus the credit, to even say his name. They just called him sinner. They, they, they didn't say, oh, that's Zacchaeus. See, they went to be with Zacchaeus. Uh, they say, he's went to be with a sinner. This type of attitude is not down to earth. In fact, it's haughty and it's unacceptable. Shame on us. This is where the rubber hits the road right off the bat here. Shame on us as followers of Christ, as Christians, when we label someone that is different, someone that's outside, someone that we naturally don't relate to by merely saying they're a category instead of getting to know them and calling them by name or a friend. How often do we overlook someone because they don't naturally fit in and we judge them without really knowing them? I wonder how often you do that. Now, you probably don't say, oh, they went to be with a sinner or the pagan or a heathen. We, we probably don't use that language. But if you look back on your life this last month, this last year, there's probably times when you categorize someone as just a category instead of really being with them. We may say stuff like this, oh, they're a druggie. I know I've done that. Or a drunk. Or they're from the wrong side of town. Or they let me down. How many times have we said, well, well, the reason I don't hang out with them, they let me down. They're that group. Or they're poor, or they're just way too rich for me to fit in with them. Or they love cats, or they're flat-out Democrat. You know, who knows? You're like, see, he's only going to go there? No. Or don't hang out with him, he's too Republican. It goes either way, doesn't it? We label groups of people, and we dismiss ourselves from being with them. That's what they're doing. They're like, he's going to be with the sinner. I don't know, maybe maybe as simple as he's going to hang out with people from Vandalia or from Missouri. You you know what it is. You've got an issue where you've categorized people, and maybe it's much more personal than the things I've even mentioned. But shame on us when we dismiss people because they're different. How often do we identify someone from a distance and we dismiss them? How often do we not really take time to know them and we walk away? That's not down to earth at all. That's not Jesus we got to follow his example. Jesus shows us example because he says directly to this sinner, he says, come down because I must stay at your house today. Jesus stayed on purpose to seek and save the lost. He he wanted to get to know Jesus. And here's my suggestion to you. When we follow Jesus, we can see others for who they are, not just for what the world says they are you know, and who they are really, even though we're not going to say it out loud because it's, it's not really uh, appropriate to lead with this. We need to see people for who they are the same way we are before we met Jesus, a sinner who needs a savior. Amen. That's who people are. That's why we really uh, spend time with them. We don't spend time with them because their political v- uh, views match up or they're, or, or they're sports fans of the, the same team. We, we, we line up with people because they need Jesus. Amen. They need a savior. We need to point them to the one who came down and is down to earth. We need to be willing to slow down and spend time with them just as Jesus did. Look at the text. He he took time to slow down his busy schedule. It wasn't even Christmas yet. Look look what it says in in verse 1 again in chapter 19. Jesus, or he entered Jericho and was passing through. He was just going to pass through. And yet he sees this man who is hungry, who is lost. He says, I must Stay at your house. I must spend time with you. Uh, Jesus saw Zacchaeus and he called him by name. I challenge you today to go uh, see someone who you know is hurting, you know is lost, and call them by name and say, "I'm ready. I need to spend time with you. Uh, Can we just hang out?" You could be thinking, "Well, Jesus didn't have anything better to do. I'm busy. I'm I'm a teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a pastor. I'm a mother of five. I'm a grandfather of." Heard a, a person who was a grandfather of like eighty. You, you you think we're busy? Jesus didn't have anything to do. He didn't even have a job. Well, we're wrong. He had already fixed his eyes on Jerusalem. And this same chapter of of Luke 19, if you read over a little further, boy, did he have a place to go. He was going to Jerusalem. The same chapter, in chapter 19, he was headed uh, for the triumphal entry. And just a few days away, they were going to cry, he's the king, he's Hosanna. He he was going to the cross. And yet this man, who was about ready to die for all humanity, slowed down to be with one man. He was going to save the world. And yet he says, I must be with you today. Zacchaeus don't miss this Jesus who had a week left on this earth stopped to start a relationship with a man others had mocked remember Jesus said I must stay at your house his passion kept him focused and what was his purpose to seek the lost he was lost it wasn't just that he didn't have a map of Jericho by the way he knew Jericho It wasn't just that his iPhone had lost connection to the ping tower, you know. He he had trouble. He was lost. What does lost really mean? According to the text, according to the Greek, it's the same word here used in John 3.16 for perished. Apollome. It's a word that that means uh, so much more than just physically not knowing where to go. Uh, It literally means to perish to be so much in danger that you're never coming back, uh, to be ruined, to be destroyed. And I believe Zacchaeus knew that's where he was, he was ruined in relationship. Even though he had all the money he could ever dream of, he had more power than any small Jewish man ever could imagine from the Roman government. They, they had empowered him to persecute his own people, and that destroyed everything about his relationships, even his connection to the, the family of Abraham, which could offer salvation. He was lost. And Jesus says, I've come to be with you today. Maybe you're here today and you feel that way. I know uh, probably at least one person that you've got more money and prestige and power than you ever dreamed, but you're lost your relationships are broken your connection to family is, is perishing and jesus ready to say i'm here for you I'm, I'm real i've come down to earth to meet you right where you are to give you a purpose and you're like that sounds great so how does it start it's not that hard look what zacchaeus did it says uh, in the scripture that he came down to receive jesus joyfully that's where it starts This is good news, guys. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z and and hold this foot up and put this forward and and, and repeat this verse. The Bible says Zacchaeus started a relationship with Jesus by receiving him joyfully. I'm asking you to do that. Don't wait. Don't, Don't try to figure a bunch of stuff out, but just receive Jesus with joy, knowing that he came to save you. Don't miss this. You do not have to achieve some high level of spiritual accolades to be saved. You don't have to climb a religious ladder. You don't even have to climb a sycamore tree because Jesus allowed himself to be put on the cross and nailed to the cross to die for your sins so you could receive him joyfully. That's the picture of Christmas, that he came to be with us. I wonder if you've received him with joy. There's a picture that's burned in my mind that shows receiving Jesus with joy. It's Baylor Wittick about a year ago, I guess now. I should have done my research. But Tiffany, my wife, is baptizing here. And you can see two faces of joy as Baylor is baptizing and receives a brand new life in Jesus. That is a face of receiving Jesus with joy. I wonder if you've had that time in your life where, where maybe you realize that you don't longer have to work out uh, all the details of theological knowledge. You don't have to get your life perfect. But there's a coming point where you allow yourself in baptism uh, to become dead to your sin and raised to a brand new life and joy comes. Not because of what you do, because of what Jesus has done. If you've never received Jesus with joy as your Lord and Savior, let it, let it be done today. Let that hope come. And it's not a hope where I wish, well, this is under the tree. The hope of Christmas is that when you receive Jesus and you're made new, your hope is certain that you will be with him again in heaven. Eternal life is secure. What a great hope. Another thing that happens when we receive him with joy, not only do we have hope, but he changes our name. Look back to verse 9 of this passage. Our names are changed. Jesus says to, to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. He says, okay, I'm linking you back uh, to, to being in the line of Abraham. He says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He says, you are a son. When everyone else has called you a sinner, when everyone else has called you crazy, when everyone else has condemned you and ready to walk away, he says, you're in the family. Here's what I want you to know. Today when you receive Jesus, you're a part of the family as a son or daughter. Your name is changed from a sinner to those who have been saved. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's a promise. Jesus came to to draw us into this family. Zacchaeus was in the family and it changed him. He realized the blessing and he responded. Now, I don't want to overlook this. This is not to receive salvation. But when he realized he was brought into the family, when he realized the grace that was poured on him, he says, I want to bless others. He says, I'm going to give half of everything I have away. And if I have wrongfully taken from someone, I'm going to repay them fourfold. He is quoting an old Testament principle there that if you have wronged someone and taken their possessions uh, by fraud, that you should repay them four times over. Uh, Zacchaeus is saying, I get it. I've messed up. I'm making things right. But here's the reality, he already knew that God had made things right and he was just being generous as he had been, received generosity and grace. One of the most down-to-earth things we can ever do when we receive the grace of God is to share it, to be generous with others. Amen. Zacchaeus says, I've received this, now I want to share it with those who I've mistreated. The interesting thing is, this was a two-way street. He had mistreated these people, but they had most certainly mistreated him. So he says, I'm going to be generous to those I've mistreated and those who mistreated me because I am in the family of God. I think some, some of you are being called today to receive Jesus with joy for the first time. You may have even given your life to Jesus as a boy because someone told you this was the thing to do, and if you didn't do it, you're going to hell, and you've always been scared. You're still scared. Maybe you need to come before Jesus today and say, Jesus, I'm receiving the joy, and my life has changed, and it's going to change my attitude to the people I've mistreated, to the people that have mistreated me. It's going to change everything. But you know the best thing you can do to share with someone who you've mistreated or mistreated you is that you help them find Jesus because they're lost to share with them the gift, invite them uh, to know the purpose of why Jesus came to seek and save them, to die for them. That That is the gift. I want to make it real easy this time of year. You can begin to share Jesus with someone you've been in a relationship with. Maybe you've mistreated or they mistreated you. Really surprise them and invite them to share with you this Christmas here at Greenville First Christian Church. You may know this. It was in the newsletter. Uh, the, the highest percentage of return on an, an invitation will come this next two weeks. As you know someone who, who is lost, hey, just come to church with me. And I promise them two things, especially if they come on candlelight service. We're going to give them a gift, and I will share the gospel. This is the two things I know will happen. And here's a third. We'll have candles, okay? We will do that. But they will receive a gift, we will share the good news of Jesus, and we're, we're going to have in a moment that, that you would want to share with anyone. But invite them. It's very likely they will say yes. Our candlelight service are Friday at 6.30 and then on Christmas Eve at 2, 4, and 6. I wonder who God's calling you to say, I want to spend time with you. You must come and share with me in this. Because God's purpose is to seek and save the lost. You may not have to tell them right that off the bat, but you know that's why you're doing it. Maybe invite them to share with you on Christmas Day. Or maybe start the new year off right on January 1st, seeking Jesus. You've been given a purpose if you've been saved to help others find Jesus because he came to seek and save them. Jesus came down to earth to save the lost. Will you join him? You're like, is it over already? It is. Here's the biggest question I have for anyone in the room today. If you're ready to receive Jesus joyfully, man, the Christmas, this Christmas will be better than anyone you've ever had. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Uh, run to him like blind Bart. Uh, come to him like uh, uh, Zacchaeus and say, you may come into my life. I am your son. I am your brother. I am your sister. Have you received him? If not, the invitation is open. Will you stand with me as I pray? Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for this often child story, this child song of Jesus seeking out Zacchaeus. But even before he went to the cross, he's like, I must be with this man. I must share with him the the good news that he's in the family. Because what I give. Father, if someone here needs to have this eternal life that only Jesus gives, I pray that, that they would receive him joyfully, they'd be made new in baptism, and the joy and peace would overflow. Father, let us then, all of us who have received you, share you with others. For your glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.